0: Well, I haven't read the Bible, but I've heard what others say. They say Jesus was mistaken, not the life, the truth, or way. They say Jesus never said that. They say that's what they've been told. They say all that's been disproven by the latest Gallup poll. They say, do you do your thing? Make merry. Amplify autonomy. They say pride triumphs poor in spirit. They say Jesus would agree. They say Jesus taught quite clearly, feelings in, commandments out. They say power to the people was what he was all about. They say Jesus wasn't into all that straightway holy stuff. Rather, they say good intentions. They say he said was enough. They say Jesus taught be happy with that inner child within. They say Jesus, Jesus wasn't happy with the law and words like sin. They say Jesus, mild and mellow, simply taught make love, not war. They say Jesus made folks feel good like a charming troubadour. So you see, They say the Bible's really not so very true. And they say what's really righteous falls to me and maybe you. Well, that is the way a lot of people are approaching the Christian faith today. The very foundation of the Christian faith, God's word, They want to say, you can't believe it. You need to listen to me instead of listening to God's word. So today, as we wrap up uh, looking at uh, the ministries of Jesus, I want us to realize just how important it is that we listen to him and not to what people say about him. Listen to what God has put forth in his word and not what people uh, want you to believe or what people, uh, just the way people want it to be. So uh, uh, I want to begin by just sharing uh, just how important it is that we listen to Jesus today. I told you the story a couple of weeks ago about a Vietnam vet who was troubled and uh he didn't marry because he would have nightmares and he would go into fits of rage and he was afraid to have any sort of a close relationship for fear he would hurt those that he loved. And then he went to his pastor and his pastor uh was able to share with him, Jesus can help you. Jesus can make a difference. And they prayed and he received inner healing and he was made whole. And later at age 35, he got married and he has a family and he's doing well. Now, let me tell you the story of another Vietnam vet. He married, had three children, divorced, married again, had three more children. And he had PTSD before they really knew what PTSD really was. He divorced his second wife. And then, and he'd had three children with both wives. Between the two of them, they had six kids. He divorced his second wife, and then he later on remarried his second wife. And his second wife was really trying to make it work. And she said, "Why don't we try church?" And so they started going to church, and he got saved. And then, uh, and they were tithing, and <laughs> but still, he was tormented with the guilt the shame the nightmares and uh his wife said why don't you go and talk to the pastor and in desperation he went to talk to his preacher and when he came back home his wife asked him said well what did the what did the pastor say and he looked at his wife with tears in his eyes he said he said jesus can't help me and then he kissed his wife and he went upstairs and committed suicide big difference in the outcome of two stories about two real men and the difference that jesus made in the life of one who got to hear the other part of the good news of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because you see, there are some that teach that Jesus can save you for heaven, but he can't help you now. But You see, Christianity isn't a game or a club or some sort of a benevolent organization. It is the body of Christ that is supposed to be ministering in his name today, not just deciding what they want to do, but doing what they know he wants them to do. In Christ, the Christian life is a matter of life and death in a world where Jesus has told us the thief comes but to kill and to steal and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And so it is into this present world of sighing, dying, crying humanity that Jesus read these words to over 2,000 years ago. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He made it clear his ministry is to make a difference in people's lives, not just in the hereafter, but also in the here and now. Now, You may not notice this, but Jesus starts off by saying, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to do this. And uh, Jesus is declaring that God, his heavenly Father, has anointed him to carry out his ministry here on earth. You see, Jesus, as we affirm today in the Nicene Creed, was fully God and fully man. But he laid down his divinity. It says that he emptied himself of his divinity and became a human being. And Jesus did everything that he did when he was here on this earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so what we're going to be looking at today is the fact that when he left, he made that power available for us on who he's counting to carry on his ministry. He has anointed me, Jesus says. So first of all, I need to let you know what the word anoint means here. Uh, In the Greek, it means to rub or to smear thoroughly, to rub or to smear. Or, uh, and in Hebrew, it actually means to pour. And uh, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. So the uh, Old Testament meaning of pouring would be what would apply. And the reason I say that is because we think of anointing someone with oil. Uh, and you, you've seen it before. We've done it here. You take a little bottle of oil and you you just and you dab a little on their forehead, you know, uh, just like Brill Cream. A little dab will do ya. Do y'all remember Brill Cream? If you remember Brill Cream, the Brill Cream commercial. Let's see your hands. Okay. Well, you might. Well, let's let's we won't sing it, but if you know it, say it along with me. Brill cream, a little dab will do ya. Brill cream, you'll look so debonair. Brill cream, the gals will all pursue ya. You simply rub a little in your hair. (laughs) And people seem to think that a little dab of the Holy Spirit will do ya just like Brill cream, And that's not the case. So let me show you that in the Bible, anointing means to pour, not to dab. First of all, starting in Genesis, the 28th chapter, the 18th verse, then Jacob rose early in the morning and took a stone uh, that he had put his, uh, at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Using that same word, that's used for anoint. And then in Exodus 29, 7, and you shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head and anoint him. Then in uh, 1 Samuel 10, 1, then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? And then on into the New Testament, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask full of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Now that flask would have been they've they've calculated the size of this flask from how much they said it was worth and uh, and figured it out that it'd be about sixteen ounces, about the size of a of a water bottle. And uh, I don't have a water bottle up here, but a little bit larger than this. This is what she poured. On, this is the size that he would have poured, that she would have poured on Jesus' head. So, uh, it would, uh, run down and go all over. Not just a little dabble, do you, you see? So, uh, anyway, uh, the flask was about 16 ounces. And, uh, would it be okay with you? if Jesus just didn't give you just a dab of the Holy Spirit, but uh, if he thoroughly rubbed and smeared and poured the Holy Spirit all over you. Earlier, I mentioned how Jesus did all that he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't have time to go through all that, but you could easily see that if you'll just look but uh let me just show you one verse in Acts 10:38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then in Luke the 24th chapter the 49th verse, Jesus uh is talking to his disciples. And he says, Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So first of all, the first point that I've hopefully I've already made is that Jesus ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, He had emptied himself and as a man worked through and operated through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. The second point I want to make today is he promised to anoint us with the Holy Spirit. And this is what we hear here. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. And you may want to think, well, that was just for the apostles back then. No, no, no. The promise of the Father, He's sending upon them. And then later on, uh, He goes, uh, Peter is, uh, expounding, uh, at the, on the day of Pentecost. And He says that the promise is for you and for all who call upon the name of the Lord. The promise is for everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord. And you'll see in the, in the New Testament that most of the time, the giving of the Holy Spirit comes in response to the gospel message. There are a couple of times whenever it's uh, uh, kind of where there's a, a lag, like whenever the Samaritans were, uh, they received the gospel uh, of, of Jesus saving them from their sin, and uh, they, they were happy about that. But it was obvious they had not received the Holy Spirit, and so they sent for some more of the apostles. They came and laid hands on them and prayed for them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's see, there are other accounts like that. I'm not going to take time to go into them right now. But uh, let's see, it says in uh, the uh, toward the back end of uh, Luke 24:49. Stay in the city, tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. It was important for Jesus that they be endued with power from on high. Now, endued comes from a, uh, the Greek word that's almost the same word, enduo, almost the same word. And it means to be clothed, to sink into clothing. Uh, you've heard of people pouring themselves into their clothes. Well, whenever you do that, you're in doing those clothes with your presence. Sometimes I will begin to suspect that uh, someone has shrunk my shirt or... Uh, or that the uh, cleaners have uh, done something to my suits. Whatever, I'm having a hard time in doing them with my presence, you know. But uh, in fact, uh, I've known of people that really got to be. I know one guy began thinking it was a conspiracy between uh, the people in his household and the cleaners that they were all shrinking his clothes. And uh, it wasn't uh, that his clothes were shrinking; it's that something else was growing, you know. But one of the neat things about the Holy Spirit, one size fits all. One size fits all. You don't have to worry about it. his the Holy Spirit being too tight, too loose. It's going to be just right for you. It's going to settle on you just the way that it should. So, uh, I want to also mention that Every gospel mentions the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are people that don't want to even talk about the Holy Spirit. It's like uh, I heard those two little girls talking in church, and uh, one of them was talking about she was going to go in this back hallway that was real dark and was scary kind of back there. And the other little girl said, oh, don't go back there. The Holy Ghost will get you. And uh, that's about the way some people feel about the Holy Spirit. They're scared to death of the Holy Spirit. And yet, Jesus thinks that it's so important for us. And this, if I don't get anything else across to you today, it's important that you receive the Holy Spirit, that you open yourself up to his Holy Spirit, being in your life in the here and now, not just biding your time for the hereafter. Jesus wants to use you now. And uh, he doesn't use you whenever you just make up your mind what you're going to do do for him. It works differently than that. So every gospel mentions the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll just give you uh, an example from each one of the gospels there. Are, I'm not going to spend all day quoting these scriptures to you. But here's, here's just four short verses. Matthew 3.11. John the Baptist is talking and he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to tie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then in Mark 1.8, again, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then in Luke 3.16, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John one thirty three, I did not know him, but he who sent me, to baptize with water said to me upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now the word baptizo means to dip repeatedly, to immerse to submerge, to overwhelm and the clearest example of a where this meaning or what this means uh, is in the text of uh, the Greek poet and physician Nicander, who lived uh, about 200 BC. And it's uh, we find it in his recipe for making pickles. Nicander says that uh, in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped into boiling water and then baptized in the vinegar solution. And then he goes on and he says, the act of baptizing the vegetable produces a permanent change. Now, if any of you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you've experienced a permanent change and you know what's being talked about here. Listen to what Jesus said at his last meeting with his disciples this is John 14, uh, 16. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the father and he'll provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. Now I'm reading out of the message of uh, that translation just because it's uh as if it doesn't sound like King James, it's because it's not. He's talking about the comforter, the Holy Spirit, when he says friend. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. And then in uh, John fourteen twenty six. I'm telling you these things while I'm still with you and living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send at my request will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Peace. I don't uh, leave you The way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned and bereft. So don't be upset and don't be distraught. And then in 1670 says, I didn't tell you this earlier because I was with you every day, but now I am on my way to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asked, where are you going? Instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So let me say it again this truth. It's better for you that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then, John 16, 12 through 13. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of the truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of uh, what is about to happen. And indeed, out of all that I have done and said, He will honor me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has is also mine. That is why I've said, He takes from me and delivers to you. Then after he has risen, again, he's with his disciples, and he says this. And what I'm trying to get across to you is that It's very important to Jesus that his disciples be filled, be anointed with the Holy Spirit, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's supposed to be an ordinary part of our life. Christians are meant to be supernaturally natural. Dear Theophilus, in the first volume of this book, I wrote on everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he said goodbye to the apostles, the ones he had chosen through the Holy Spirit, and was taken up to heaven. After his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face meetings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave jerusalem but must wait for what the father promised the promise you heard from me john baptized in water you will be baptized in the holy spirit and soon he told them you don't get to know the time timing is the father's business what you'll get is the holy spirit And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able, this is so important. It's not until then, you see, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. These were his last words. As they watched, he was taken up and disappeared in a cloud. They stood there staring up into the empty sky. Suddenly two men appeared in white robes. They said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up at an empty sky? This very Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come as certainly and mysteriously as he left. You will be my witnesses when you're filled with the Holy Spirit when he has come upon you. So let me show you how that works. I was sitting in my office one day and a guy came in and says, I need to talk to you. And uh, he came in he sat down and explained to me that they had money set aside for his daughter's college and he had drunk up every bit of the college money and she was getting ready he had been able to pay the college bill and she was getting ready to go into the cafeteria to eat and she was going to present her meal card and they were going to take it away from her and then she was going to be out of school and then he was going to be in really bad trouble with his wife and uh he was just beside himself. He didn't know what to do. Now, there wasn't a thing in the world that I could do about that personally, but let me tell you this, and this is where the Holy Spirit comes in, because I believe that Jesus doesn't just save you for the hereafter. He helps you in the here and now, and he uses dilemmas He uses tough things in order for us to be his witnesses. And so I was able to say, you know, I can't do anything for you, but I know somebody who can. Let's pray. And so we prayed. And then we started taking steps one by one. I went ahead and got on the phone to the university, to the financial office where this guy was, where this guy's daughter was going to school while he was still there and, uh, got through to somebody that, uh, was able to help things work out. And they went ahead and put a, some sort of a flag so that she wouldn't be kicked out of school. They made a way for him to start paying payments and everything was going to be okay. So his daughter got to stay in school. Everything was cool there. He said, now I'm not going to go talk to your wife for you, you know, but you need to go now. You need to confess and you need to tell her what you've done. And I'll be happy to help you any way that I can. And let's pray about that now, too. So we prayed about that. And he went on. I'll just stop it there and just tell you that everything worked out just fine. He got into AA, got sober and clean, got free from alcohol. Uh, his marriage was saved. His wife got to grab I mean, his, his daughter, got to graduate from the university and everything was fine because I didn't say Jesus can't help you. I knew that he could help me help this guy. That's the way it works. You just start taking the steps and you may not know what's going to come up, but it works. But you just have to be brave enough. And the Holy Spirit makes you brave enough to start taking the steps. Um, I could give you other stories, but we're out of time. So I'm just going to let it go at that. But uh, this is what you do with different, th- different places, different times. But, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you this. John Wesley is the poster child of someone who missed it for so long. Uh, he tried to be a good Christian. He tried to be committed and he did everything good that he could. And he knew he just didn't have what other Christians had. Something was missing. And he just didn't know how to get it. And he would talk to these other people. And uh, and so finally, if you'll recall, at Aldersgate, he says uh, someone read from the Luther's epistle to the epistle a preface to the epistle of Romans about 845 p.m. While he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. What he had been missing was the fact that he was trying to do it on his own. He was trying to earn God's favor instead of realizing that Jesus paid it all. It wasn't a matter of, uh, of him having to pay for his mistakes. It was the fact that Jesus, when he went to the cross and he died there, he died as a full and perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Somehow, John Wesley hadn't gotten that until that night at Aldersgate. And then when he finally received what Jesus did on the cross for him, his heart was strangely warmed. He had an assurance of his salvation, and he was on fire in his preaching, and everything changed. John Wesley was transformed. This morning it hit me When Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples, he was conveying something much deeper to them than even the fact that we ought to wash each other's feet. When he came to Peter and Peter refused to let him wash his feet, do you remember what Jesus said to him? He said, if you don't allow me to wash you, You have no part with me. And this is what's missing from many people who name the name of Christ right now. They haven't allowed him to wash them. What's the the, the hymn say? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what John Wesley was missing. He was trying to work his way into heaven instead of realizing that God loved him so much, he'd already paid the price and that all that was required of him was to accept the washing. And whenever he was willing to allow Jesus, to wash him. He was made whole. He was made pure. The Holy Spirit is not going to come till you're clean. And you'll never be able to clean yourself up. But look at all those people on Pentecost that day. They hadn't had time to do any works, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit because they received the washing and because they received the washing and the cleansing from his precious blood, then the Holy Spirit came in response to the promise that Jesus gave. And this is what keeps so many people from the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They haven't received the washing. And so Jesus can have no part with them. So if you have been one who's been trying to work your way into heaven, trying to be good uh, to get into heaven, stop it. It's not going to work. The only thing to do is to receive what's already been done. And the moment you do that, the portals of heaven open and he will come to you just as he promised that he would.